Welcome. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com, and we both welcome you back to another important episode of The New World Next Week, where we'll begin with the question, did the Fed launder $141 billion through Belgium, and did they do it to hide not the tapering that they claim, but the massive increase in quantitative easing? That's what former Assistant Treasury Secretary and Wall Street Journal editor Paul Craig Roberts alleges. And we can grab this from Washington's blog as well from paulcraigroberts.com. From November 2013 through January 2014, Belgium, with a GDP of $480 billion, purchased $141 billion of U.S. Treasury bonds. Somehow, Belgium came up with enough money to allocate during a three-month period 29% of its annual GDP to purchase these U.S. Treasury bonds. Certainly, they didn't have a budget surplus of $141 billion. Were they running a trade surplus during that period? No, they are in deficit. Did their central bank print $141 billion in euros to make that purchase? No. Belgium is a member of the euro system, and its central bank cannot increase the money supply, So the question is, where did the $141.2 billion come from? Paul Craig Roberts alleges there is only one source, and that is the Federal Reserve. And the purchase was laundered through Belgium in order to hide the actual fact that the Federal Reserve bond purchases during November 2013 through January 2014 were $112 billion per month. So this seems all complicated. But in other words, during those three months, there was a rise in bond purchases by the Fed. The Fed's actual bond purchases for those three months are $27 billion per month above the original 85 bill and on and on. Why did they do this? That's the main question. And again, like anything, we include all the links for you, for you guys to go follow this and do the research for yourself. Why did the Federal Reserve have to purchase so many bonds above the announced amounts And why did they have to launder and hide the purchase? Again, Craig Roberts alleges some country or countries unknown at this time for reasons we do not know yet dumped $104 billion in U.S. Treasuries in one week. James, is this anything we can point to, and there will be relateds that we'll also mention, to show what's going on in in the world funny money system? Well, we do know, for example, at least some of the answers to some of these questions. For example, we know that Russia dumped a record $26 billion of treasury holdings, or 20% of all of its holdings, in March, which they helped to substitute with 900,000 troy ounce uh, purchase of physical gold. That's uh, $1.14 billion of gold to add to their exchange reserves. That's an interesting move right there. But some of these other questions have also been at least partially answered since that original article was written by Paul Craig Roberts. And so we have, for example, from Reuters, Euroclear says likely cause of Belgium's big rise in treasuries. And uh, this Reuters article goes on to say that uh, uh, Belgium-based Euroclear holds assets on behalf half of more than 2,000 financial institutions in more than 90 countries, as well as for millions of retail investors. And a spokesman for the company would not comment as to whether there's been a sudden surge of business from customers holding treasuries. The company has about 24.2 trillion euros of all assets in custody. And uh, just to give more 
insight into Euroclear and who and what they are. They are a, quote, collateral highway that will help market participants move securities from where wherever they are held to serve as collateral for access to central bank liquidity, secured transactions such as repos and security loans and margins for CCPs and bilaterally cleared OTC derivative trades. Oh, yes, all perfectly clear now. Uh, basically, yes, this is a, a clearinghouse that is based in Belgium, and thus this is why it's showing up on Belgium's books. It apparently has nothing to do with the Central Bank of Belgium itself. So what we are saying, uh, what we are seeing here is, uh, is there are financial institutions that seem to be doing this through the Euroclear uh, uh, collateral highway. Um, that again, we don't know who it is exactly who is buying this and. The, the speculation that it could be the Federal Reserve directly or indirectly, I guess, still holds. But we have, uh, for example, from Brandon Smith of Alt Market, he just put out an uh, article called Who is the New Secret Buyer of U.S. Debt, in which he speculates it's the IMF and or BIS, Bank for International Settlements, that are purchasing U.S. Treasuries through the back door as part of a plan to eventually crash the U.S. Uh, debt market by dumping them all at once. And uh, as part of the Bread and Woods 2 that's going to come along in at some point and uh, re-jigger re, re the, the global financial ec- economy to basically get rid of the dollar as the world reserve. Fanciful argument? It may be true. It may not be true. At this point, all we know is that Euroclear seems to be the, part, the point uh, at which these treasuries are being purchased, and we don't know for whom. Um, so that's still an open mystery. But it certainly does mean um, that without those purchases that have happened in the last five months, U.S. treasuries would have been being sold off at a much greater rate than they, um, than they appear to be at this moment. So someone is propping up U.S. treasuries. Uh, and for what purpose? Well, again, to to keep the uh, the entire global financial system moving along sideways for yet more months or years or however long they continue to pump this up. I guess that remains to be seen. But uh, but at any rate, I'm on board with Brandon Smith's ultimate uh, uh, conclusion there that I think there will be a rejiggering of the economy. And he points to 2015. Early 2015 is when the IMF is going to look at. Uh, the special drawing rights basket of uh, exchange currencies that currently includes includes the euro and the yen and the dollar and uh, the the sort of the basic core currencies. China has been lobbying to be included as part of that with their yuan for uh, a while now, and in 2015 they may get their chance, and that might be what some of these central bank purchases of gold is all about. So very very interesting times on the global financial markets, but uh, unfortunately interesting times can equate for to uh, some pretty catast- catastrophic things in the very near future. So we're going to have to keep our eyes on this and see if this treasury uh, purchase continues. And if so, um, you know, if we can locate where it is coming from and who is doing it for what purpose. So as a couple of relateds to this first segment of, of world finance, let's maybe make it a little simpler, a little sexier. George Soros sold all his shares in Citigroup, Bank of America, and J.P. Morgan. This coming from Blacklisted News and Market Watch. George Soros dumped his stakes in banks and went for tech and gold miners in the first quarter, according to his filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission. He sold his holdings in Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, and Bank of America. Now, dig this. He took new stakes in RF micro devices, which designs and manufactures high-performance radio frequency systems, Nuance Communications, a multinational computer software technology corporation that provides speech and imaging applications, Marvell Technology Group, which MarketWatch actually typoed, 
Marvell Technology Group, they are producer of storage, communication, and consumer semiconductor products. Nokia Corporation, not just makers of your crappy phones, much more than that. Communications and IT multinational corporation. And Cypress Semiconductor, another tech firm actually located just down the road from me in Tigard, Oregon. Soros also boosted his stake in Herbalife. More on them in just a second. And he took new position in Yamana Gold and Alrico Gold and New Gold Incorporated, there being the miners' part. If Herbalife sounds familiar to folks out there, it's because just a couple of months ago we covered that story here on New World Next Week as staking a billion dollars that Herbalife will fail and then lobbying to bring it down. Again, this sort of activist investors, if you will. So, James, I think with all of these stories, we see that the same folks that stand to profit, both literally and figuratively, are the ones pushing and moving and funding a lot of this. And the one last related I'll tag on to there, a new global financial order emerging, Putin and the de-dollarization of Russia-China trade. So file that away, but remember it. As we move to our second story, and that's when we bring out, as they call it on the interwebs, the Godwin. Prince Charles's Hitler row risks triggering an international scandal. That's right. Prince Charles, heir apparent to the British throne, declares Putin on par with Hitler. The prince caused controversy when he told a woman in Canada that the Russian president is doing just about the same as Hitler in annexing Crimea to the Ukraine. In the Ukraine, rather. Charles, who is scheduled to meet Vladimir Putin at the D-Day commemorations in France on June 6th, just a couple of weeks away, made his well-intentioned but unguarded comment during a visit to the Canadian Museum of Immigration in Halifax, Nova Scotia. It was heard by several witnesses. Mrs. Marianne Ferguson, whom Charles was speaking to and who had fled the Holocaust with her family, losing some, said, quote, I must say that I agree with him, and I'm sure a lot of people do. I was very surprised that he made the comment, as I know they aren't meant to say these things, but it was very heartfelt and honest. So there are several other links that will include Prince Charles should abdicate after comparing Putin to Hitler, says one MP in the UK. Meanwhile, other MPs are fiercely defending him. And James, why is this story such an ironic chuckle? Well, let's get to that in a moment. But first, we should also point out that this is just part of a continuing series of such statements. For example, back in March, Hitlery Clinton herself um, uh, said that there are echoes of Hitler in Putin's annexation of Crimea. And back in April, uh, Forbes.com contributor Paul Johnson made a similar claim. Is Vladimir Putin another Adolf Hitler? So just like clockwork, here's May's contribution to the latest uh, boogeyman pylon, which we see in the wake of or in the lead up to every international confrontation in our modern era. And it's so predictable. It is absolutely, I mean, it's just atrociously boring at this point. Uh, oh, he's another Hitler. Is he? Tell us again. Uh, so again, this is not, not surprising that this has been brought out at all. But yes, you're right. It's particularly ironic that the royals are now uh, comparing Putin to Hitler, given that the royals were, of course, unabashedly supporters of Hitler and the Nazi regime, including, of course, not only Prince Charles's father, Prince Philip, who was buddy-buddy with the Nazis and uh, appeared at, uh, at various wedding festivities uh, flanked by Nazis and, and things of this nature, but also Prince Charles's son, who uh, Prince Harry, who showed up at a party wearing a swastika. Because, <laughs> oh, isn't that 
that's so funny and wacky. Um, so yeah, please, please, Mister uh, Mister Charles, <laughs> tell us again who's just like Hitler. I, I think that's the thing. So so basically, you break it down, and I'll include a years-old article from Lee Rogers that notes the British monarchy has its roots in Nazism, or perhaps vice versa. That the British monarchy, combined with London banksters, helped fund Hitler and build up the Nazi war machine. Why? To fight Russia and to consolidate power, which will bring us back to the very beginning of all of these things that we see with the first two stories, one feeding the other. James, I don't think there's anything left to do, but perhaps look at some good news. In our third and final segment, and that's sometimes how we've been doing it more, more often than not anymore here on New World Next Week, because we find both, I think, ourselves and all the folks out there, the audience and the folks who help give us content, by using hashtag New World next week or even hashtag good news next week. It can't be bad news all the time, and we have to some, try and celebrate some of these, some of these victories, small or pyrrhic as, as they may seem sometimes. So we'll begin again in my own backyard. We'll call this the Good News Next Week U.S. Selections Edition. Two Oregon counties ban GMO crops amid U.S. labeling uproar. Even Reuters reported Voters in two small Oregon counties on Tuesday approved controversial ballot measures to ban the cultivation of genetically engineered crops within their boundaries. Also, the Washington Times noted, residents in a southwest Oregon county voted emphatically to ban genetically engineered crops following a campaign that attracted a bushel of out-of-state money. A pair of competing campaigns, meaning the pro and the con, raised $1.3 million to sway Jackson County's 120,000 registered voters. A million of that, the lion's share of that money, was raised to defeat the proposed ban. Who were the companies? Monsanto, Syngenta, and DuPont that combined to contribute nearly $400,000. They spent a million dollars to try and convince the people there, the farmers there, what they should do. There are other links, and even Russia Today covered it. There's a video report, and it's something I actually talked about briefly with a guest I interviewed today on my own Food World Order, the author Vicki Robin, who has a book called Blessing the Hands That Feed Us, about eating locally. So, James, some of our other positive notes. As Common Core becomes a punchline, critics win battles nationwide. That comes from thenewamerican.com. South Carolina lawmakers pass bill effectively nullifying the federal hemp ban. And, not a selection note, but after the bin Laden backlash, the Central Intelligence Agency has promised, James, no more vaccination campaigns for spying. Any thoughts on that? Yay! Wow! They're not going to do fake vaccination campaigns, or at least not that they'll tell us about. Um, yeah, interesting. Well, I, I would just like to draw people back to that Washington Times article we were reading from about the Oregon approves uh, GMO ban, because... Again, encoded in the language of this is is the type of propaganda which now is the is the mainstream norm, and this is just included in every story on the on the matter. So, for for example, they say towards the end of the article, though genetically engineered crops are common, and no mainstream science has shown they are unsafe, opponents contend GMOs are still experimental and promote the use of pesticides. They say more testing is needed, as if all of these things are random, weird assertions coming out of nowhere by these faceless opponents, who we are, of course, supposed to differentiate ourselves from. Every single part of that is wrong. There is data and science to back up the fact that pesticide use is, is increasing 
increasing as a direct result of these GMOs. And there is mainstream science, including uh, a list of, uh, I, I don't even remember how many scientists that came out last year in defense of Seralini, saying that uh, the science is absolutely not settled about GMOs. And uh, of course, when people look into how GMOs are approved and the fact that it's all self-reporting from these companies that stand to gain profit directly from their sales of these crops, yeah, there's a bit of backdoor shenanigans going on, do you think? So uh, it's good to see that even despite this coordinated propaganda campaign, people are still rejecting it. People know that there's something wrong, and hopefully we will see more and more of this as we have not only in Oregon, but also uh, Russia recently trying to ban uh, GMO uh, imports. So hopefully this is the, the thin edge of a wedge of a large trend that's developing, and hopefully we can help to push that idea further out into the mainstream uh, that's so coveted by these, uh, these headline writers. James, just in closing, we'll briefly mention just a couple of the other stories that folks have submitted on Twitter using hashtag New World Next Week, like our friends Twisted Politics and Dazalt Theory and others. The FBI's headhunting computer hackers who love weed. Bilderberg's silent takeover of Britain's $60 billion defense budget. And a really interesting one from Max Kaiser. Bankers killing bankers for the insurance money? And another look at 9-11, as James will also note that, uh, I don't have this in the notes, uh, the guilty plea, or, or rather the guilty verdict just recently on Abu Hamza. That's what it is. I'll add that to the note, and that therefore updates other stories we've tracked on New World Next Week. Excellent stuff, and I'm looking forward to listening to that Food World Order interview. So on that note, let's wrap it up there. James, looking forward to next week. All right, thanks so much.